Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, we uh, want to jump right into our, our teaching tonight, and if you've got your Bibles, go to First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be at um, uh, this evening, and um, you know, this series was um, birthed in my heart years ago when I listened to a teaching by Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley is one of my, really one of my favorite teachers when it comes to marriage and relationships, and I listened to this teaching about this topic, and uh, really changed my life and so many different principles that he taught about. And so I have loved being able to share some of these things with you. And, uh, you know, we started the first weekend talking about the fact that all of us in our life, we have these, um, you look at these hopes, these dreams, and these desires. Uh, we all have this box. It's an invisible box that you have. All these things you're hoping for, all these things you're dreaming for, for your life, and uh, all these different experiences in your life. Maybe it was an older brother that they had, you know, the marriage relationship he had, or older sister, or your mom and dad, or people you knew, that you looked at them and you said, that's the kind of marriage I want to have. And you started kind of forming these dreams and this this vision of what you expected, and uh, you carried around this box. And when you got married, it was awesome because you expected for all of those things to happen. You carried your box into the, the marriage relationship, and somewhere, and it's, it's really hard to tell when this happens, but it happens. And it's hard to kind of tell when our dreams and our hopes and our desires, all of a sudden we wake up one day and they become expectations. And now instead of your hopes and dreams and desires being something that are like it's fun and it's something you're dreaming about, now it's like I'm expecting this in the marriage. I'm expecting this in the relationship and you owe me. And so now your relationship, your marriage has become transactional. And how many of you know when you're in a marriage that's transactional and you operate out of you owe me and you better do this and you're not doing this, there's no, it's not any fun to be in that kind of marriage. And happy couples know, and we talked about this this first weekend, and I feel like I need to remind you of this because it really, it sets up and, and is, it is the driving force of this series is that the happy couples know that that. The person that you're married to doesn't owe you anything. That your husband, your wife, they don't owe you anything. So when they don't owe you anything, everything they do for you, it becomes a gift. It makes it special. And see, one of the things that happens is, and this, this is really tricky, when, when your relationship is transactional, the best negotiator is usually the one that wins. And they're usually the best at negotiating, they're best at manipulating, they're the best at winning the arguments. But listen to me, if anyone wins, if any one person wins, the relationship always loses. And so what, what you've got to 
be able to do is, is, is to be able to back up and say, man, you know, when it comes to my desires, my hopes, and my dreams, I got this box with me. Because listen to me, that's a God-given thing that God's given you. You have this box. And you've got to take them back from being expectations, but you still have that box. You can't deny it. It's who you are. It's what you dream. It's what you hope for. But you take that back. And Peter gives us the great news that, that we have in our life is that Peter really gives us the answer of what we should do and how to handle our dreams and our desires and our hopes. And, you know, we have a decision to make. Um, you look around and... and, and there's something that happens to couples. I, I, you know, it's just amazing to me how you meet somebody that just, you can tell somebody that just got married because they are excited about each other and they're opening each other's door and, man, they, they love being around each other and they're like, man, we love talking to each other and we want to be on the, like, we can't wait to talk. And then after a while, somebody's been married and you're like, I can't wait to get away from that person. You were like, heaven, if, I, if they just leave me alone and let me watch my shows. You know, and you just kind of get in this rut. And there's been different times. The list and I have stopped, and we said, "Man, we're getting in some ruts." And and you have to constantly realign yourself and constantly step back. And there are some keys that happy couples know. And you have a decision to make. You can either listen to what Peter says, or you can kind of step into the alternatives. And listen to me: the alternatives to what what the world and our culture tells us to do with our hopes and dreams and desires is, for example, a lot of you, this is why your marriage is not fun anymore. It's why you guys aren't happy anymore. There's no spark. There's no energy in your marriage. It's because you've decided what I'm going to do is I've, I have realized already we're five years, six years into this marriage. They're never going to meet my desires and my hopes, and I'm so disappointed, and I'm so angry, and I'm so frustrated. The way that I'm going to cope with this is I'm going to start just ignoring my desires and my dreams and my hopes. I'm just going to ignore it. And so what happens is you start being a pretender, and it takes you to a place that you're unhealthy, and it's no fun to be married to somebody that's a pretender. They're just kind of there. They're pretending. And, and um, But sh- listen to me. If you had never acknowledged what's in your heart, it's going to make you unhealthy. And so this is the struggle. You were like, I'm so ticked and I'm so angry and I got all this stuff going on and I'm carrying around my box. And somebody needs to do something about my box. And so you're either going to ignore the box, you're going to set it down somewhere, and you're going to play like it's not there, or another big one. This is probably one of the biggest ones. We decide we're just going to get busy. So we we start to think, you know what, I'm just going to play a lot of golf. I just am going to, like, pour myself into the kids, our kids. And and you know what? what happens when you do this, if you pour yourself in, into your kids, and this is another message, but I'll just tell you, let me just touch on this a minute. Parents that pour themselves into their, their kids, uh, usually uh, studies show that after they become empty nesters, the chances of them becoming 
getting divorced go way up because they poured their life into their kids and now their kids are gone and there's nothing to their relationship. And it's easy to just kind of say, man, we're just going to get busy. And listen to me, uh, I'm going to get busy and I'm going to like spend more time hunting or whatever, your hobbies and all this kind of stuff. But listen, creating your own world isn't the answer. You still got your box. Another one that this kind of goes to the extreme, but you start to think, you know what, I think I'm going to find somebody else. And you start to kind of think that, you know what, um, I'm going to look for somebody else. And um, you, you start to kind of, you know, you don't say you're looking, but you're looking. And, and uh, I'll just say this to you, that this is, may sound pretty elementary, but everywhere you go, you, there you are. So everywhere you go, you're carrying your problems. You're carrying your dysfunctions. And um, let me tell you something. What happens to a lot of us is that we go and meet somebody else. You're around somebody else that you think they're awesome. And listen to me. I've met that person. They're not awesome. They're on their best behavior. And you are too. And if they talk to your spouse, they find out that you're not really that awesome. Some of you are like, I can tell you how my husband is not awesome. But there are people out there that think that he is or she is. It's because they're on their best behavior. So, listen, it's easy to ignore it, stay busy, or start looking around and, and, and having affairs or just looking for somebody to, I'm going to bail out of this relationship, and you're always going to take your, your dreams and hopes, and you're going to go, I'm sick of carrying this around. i got to dump this on somebody else. And listen to me, nobody gets in another relationship because they just want to give themselves to somebody else. They're looking for somebody to meet their needs. They're looking for somebody to fulfill them. And this is the, the struggle that happens that starts to spin around in our relationships that becomes so destructive. You have a box that ha- it is full of desires and dreams and hopes, and you need to know what to do with it. Because a frustration is only going to drive you to a place of becoming anger, angry and bitter and resentful in your relationship. And it's the beginning of the end. And Peter begins um, to tell us what to do with this stuff. Now, let me just say this to you. And I'm going to read, I promise you, I'm going to read this scripture to you. The advice Peter gives us, it, for some of you, you're going to go, you're going to kind of push back and you're going to go, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. This might sound a little religious to you or you're like, you know what, that's a little extreme. And what I want to encourage you is we read through this. I want you to put your guard down and just kind of relax and let's look at what God's word says of what, how we should handle the, the areas of our life that we're so frustrated that we feel like are not being met. And Peter begins with this. He says in verse 5 of chapter, First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 5. All of you, that's all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. It's a general relationship principle that we're going to apply to a romantic relationships, and I want to show you this. But he says, clothe yourself with humility. That means... Again, he's, he's talking about the same thing that Paul talked about 
where it is a submission competition where great couples, happy couples know that, you know what, when I put the other person first in my relationship, instead of believing they owe me, I began to walk in this way of saying, I'm going to put my husband, my wife first before me. It is a submission competition where we're trying to out-submit ourselves to each other. It's, it's a beautiful thing when that happens in a relationship. And um, so he says, clothe yourself with humility. In other words, you ask yourself this question, what would a humble person do? And I want, want you to say that out loud because some of you have never asked yourself that question. And it's good for you to verbalize this and say it out loud. Let's say it together. What would a humble person do? Um, and, and maybe you're, you're thinking, well, you know what? I'm not really a humble person. And, and it's easy to kind of push back and say, well, what, why is Peter saying that? Why, why is Peter saying that I need to have humility? I'm not a humble person. That's just not who I am. And I need to be who I am. And it's important to listen to this great advice that Peter gives us, that he says that, what makes you have a great relationship is that you decide that you are going to begin to be a humble person. And I want to say this to you. This is a little secret about humility. If you start doing what a humble person does, you'll be humble. And it's easy to go, well, you know what? No, humility is an internal thing. No, it's not. See, you're reading your mind. You know if you're arrogant but everybody else is reading your actions. So actions speak louder than what? If you start doing what a humble person does, you'll be a humble person. So I'm telling you, this is a relational game changer. When you stop and you start thinking, if, if I were to go small, if I were to go to the end of the line, if I were to put someone else first in my um, relationship, and if I were to look at every circumstance in my marriage as what would a her, humble person do, how would this change? And then Peter gives us why it's so important, the reason why humility is so important. In the last part of this verse, he says, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because why is humility important, Peter says? God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Like, think about this. When you're arrogant and you're, you're full of pride in your marriage, the Bible tells us that God opposes that. When you're taking your box of your dreams and your 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 hopes and, and all your desires, and you're like, I'm so frustrated, and this is about my dreams and my what I want, and you are bowing up, which is easy to do because I've done it a lot. I'm just telling you, there's been lots of times that I'm like, you know what, I, I, I'm kind of pushing back to my wife about this, and, 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 and it's easy to kind of drift in this, and you start to kind of get angry. And what, what the Bible shows us here is that, that God actually pulls back from proud people. That God actually 
he, he's actually pulling himself back from proud people. And before you judge God too harshly about this, don't you pull back from arrogant people? We resist entitled people. We push back from demanding people, from people that are always trying to squeeze something out of us or, or they're always doing everything for their own benefit. They only think about themselves. They rare, rarely think about anybody else. It's a destructive force in a marriage. And Peter says that God opposes the proud but shows favor or grace to the humble. He shows Grace, this is an an extraordinary promise of God. Peter says this, when you humble yourself in a relationship, listen to me, it is an invitation to God to give you the strength you need, the endurance you need, the power you need to maintain and do the right thing. Humility is an invitation for God to work in your marriage. Why is that important? It's important because, listen to me, you're carrying around your box of desires and your hopes, and, and, and this, this happens to all of us. After a while, you carry that box, and you keep trying to hand it to your spouse because you're like, I'm sick of carrying this. I married you, and I thought you were going to take care of this, and you were going to help. You were going to meet. You are going to help me feel fulfilled. And Do you know that God, God never meant for them to meet those needs in your life? That God is the only one that can meet that need in your life? That when you humble yourself, you're actually inviting God's presence into your life? That you are inviting him to help those areas of your life, that the desires, the dreams, the hopes that you have in your life, that God is the one that fulfills that. And you're trying to squeeze out of your spouse something they were never intended to give you. This is where the battle comes in. This is why we're so miserable, why we are always criticizing, always finding fault in our spouse because we're carrying our box around of all these things and we're like, will you please do this? But you can't take that box and ignore it or just get busy. You got to take this box. And you first got to humble yourself as Peter says this. And then... He gives us this powerful thing because you're inviting God's presence to work in this. He says this in verse 7, cast all your anxiety, all your frustrations, all you ever dreamed of, all that you ever wanted in your life. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In other words, don't miss this. This is an invitation for you and I to unload on God. See, happy couples know that every once in a while you just got to throw things. How many of you don't raise your hand? <laughs> don't you sometimes want to throw things when you're mad? You're, you're like, um, you're walking out the door and you just got to push that, press that, that, that point. You got to throw something. You got to slam a door. And what Peter says this, he says, we humble yourself. And then go 
and take your frustrations, your hopes, all those things that are unfulfilled that you've dreamed, you know, the, the things you dreamed of since you were 16, 17, 18 that you've always wanted for your life and you've always wanted in a marriage and the thing that's putting a tremendous strain on your marriage. He says, why don't you, why don't you throw it to God before you throw it to your spouse? And one of the, listen to me, what, what's so destructive is we're throwing it at our spouse when we should throw it to God. This is why you're getting in these crazy, huge arguments and you're screaming and you're yelling and you're throwing things and listen to me, God's inviting you. It is an invitation from God. Peter ought to know. Peter's the one that walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus better than anybody else. And Peter says to us, he says, you take that stuff and you throw it to God. You unload all your cares, all your frustrations. Take all of this to God. And I, w- I want to bear down on this a little bit because, again, this is so important. Um, when you take these things to God, you need to understand this, that you need to not pray polite prayers. When you go to God, um, don't pray formal prayers. Pray honest prayers. Now, some people say, well, Pastor Stephen, I, like, I don't really know how to pray, so don't ever ask me to pray. And, uh, but listen to me, if you've ever told somebody off, you know how to pray. <laughs> and a lot of us, maybe you grew up in a church where, where you, you know, everything was real formal. But listen to me, God's wanting your honesty. And you being able to throw and uh, throw things to God and cast all of this, this stuff. And before you go, you know what? I can't wait till my husband or my wife gets home. And when, I, when, when they open up that garage door, I'm going to meet them in the garage because I'm ready to tell them, all this, tell them all this junk that I'm sick of. What if you were to go to God and just be honest with him? Um. In fact, I, I would say when it comes to praying these things, these kind of things like your hopes and your dreams, you need to get on your knees by yourself. I told you this was going to be weird for some of you. Because some of you are kind of pushing back and you're saying, man, I don't know, Pastor Stephen, getting on my knees by myself before God. I, I think I'm just going to get a comfortable chair and go sit somewhere and kind of meditate. See, I I think that some of you are in a desperate place in your marriage. I know none of you are, probably most of you are not calling for a divorce and divorce lawyer or whatever, but man, it's, it's heading south. And this is not what you signed up for. You know you love your wife. You know you love your husband. This is a desperate thing, and it requires that you get on your knees before God, and you throw this to God, and you say, God, all, you let all the anger, you let all the frustration, you let all the junk out, and you unload that to God. What does being on my knees demonstrate? It demonstrates humility. When I get on my knees and I fall before God, some of you are so desperate, it's so bad, you need to get on your knees and you need to lift both hands to God. I'm spitting, I'm so excited up here. 
I'm about to throw my jacket down and say, let's have revival. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's okay. But you need to get on your knees and lift both hands. What, when a baby lifts both hands to their mom or dad, what are they saying? Would you pick me up because I'm dependent on you? How would your marriage, your relationship change if you got on your knees and you lifted both hands to God and you said, God, you created me. You know my DNA. You know the emptiness I feel. You know the, the longing, the desires, the dreams I have. God, would you fulfill that in my life? And then you went to your spouse and you knew and you had this confidence that God was working because you humbled yourself. You, you know that humility invites God's moving in your life. You know that humility invites a supernatural move of God in your marriage. You're expecting God to begin to change things in your life. See, um, why is the posture of prayer, why, why is it important to fall on our knees and, and, and lift our hands to God? Why, why, why is that it's so important? I want to explain this to you because this is important. Do you know your brain is connected to your body? And I love how Andy Stanley describes this because he talks about this fact that your body is connected to your mind. And your posture of prayer is sending a message to your mind and your mind is sending signals to your body. I love how Bob Goff talks about this same principle. He's an attorney. He wrote this book called Love Does, and he talks about this when he is advising his clients, and they're going before a deposition, um, deposition that, that he tells them, he says, when you go into the deposition, what I want you to do is put, place your hands on your knees and open your palms and leave your hands open. And he says that all during that time, I want you to leave your hands open on your knees. And he says, it is virtually impossible to get defensive with your hands open. That this humility that comes before in your life, this posture that you have before God, that you say, God, I'm submitting yourself. What if you stop blaming your husband or your wife for the emptiness and all the junk that's going on, and you just said, God, I'm ready to dump it all on you. I'm going to start throwing it at you. You know, God wants your honesty. Andy Stanley tells the story that is so powerful. He shared the story. He has three kids. He's got two sons and a daughter. And he shares this story that it so stood out to me. He says that being honest with God, for a lot of people, it's hard because maybe you grew up in a family where your dad told you, don't talk to me like that. And you were never really allowed to be honest. And he, he, he said he, he started doing something with his kids that as soon as they got old enough, he invited them to be honest. And he said, there were times that my wife would come to me and she said, Don't let, why are you letting the kids talk to you like that? And there were moments that his daughter or son would come in and just unleash stuff on him. And he said, I'd sit back and take it. And a lot of people didn't believe I actually did that, but he said, I did that. And when my kids would get done unleashing on me all the junk, all the energy that was inside of them, I'd look at them and I'd say, thank you, son, thank you, daughter, for honoring me with the honesty of what's really in your heart. Because, see, listen to me, your kids are going to do something with that energy. And God wants you to take that energy you have instead of 
throwing it at your wife or your husband first. Would you throw it to God? See, happy couples know this. That your spouse was never intended to meet all of your needs. They, were, they can't do it. And your list of all these expectations and you're trying to make it all about transactions. What if you were to say, man, I'm throwing that all outside. And I listen, I, this is who I am. And I'm going to begin to throw this to God. How would it change? See, I believe this is a game changer for a lot of you. It's a game changer. That you go get on your knees. Both hands. Say, God. God can take it. Take it to God before you take it to your spouse. Once you've taken it to God and God begins to work, and I'll, I just warn you, that when you start to do that, more than likely what's going to happen is God's, in, instead of working in your spouse's life first, he's going to do the work in your life. And what's going to happen is you're going to start looking at your list and God's going to start working and changing things in your own heart. And you're going to start realizing that you've been trying to squeeze out of your spouse and make them be a certain way they were never intended to be. Some of you may fall in love like you've never been in love before because you're going to see your spouse in a different way. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your love. and Thank you, God, that you allow us to go to you honestly and God may we all fight against the arrogance and the pride that so wants to rise up in our souls God I pray that all of us would be humble God because we want more than anything else that we want to invite you into our marriages God God may we walk in humility God, as we open ourselves up to you, God, we pray that you would begin to work in healing. God, I pray that you would fulfill every desire that you have given us, that God-given visions and dreams, that God would be driven by your work in our lives. Father, we thank you for this tonight. In your holy name. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.